Welcome everyone to the Change Starts Here podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom. And today's guest is a man that has inspired me for a number of years now. He's a New York Times bestselling author, a book called The Speed of Trust. Um, Stephen Covey is passionate about the power of trust. And in today's conversation, I think I do a decent job of pushing back and asking some tougher questions, more practical questions, but he's gonna dive into the power of creating a high trust culture and being a high trust leader. He's gonna talk about why it's important. We're gonna talk about, uh, one thing I love what he says about the power of creating a renaissance of trust. That's what we need to try to do right now is create a renaissance of trust and we'll dive into what that means. And then he'll leave us with one thing that we've all got to get better at is extending trust and why that's important and how we do it. This conversation, uh, for those of you who have not been around Stephen before, his passion will just get you up out of your seat, ready to go charge and take on the world. And you'll feel it here from the first question on. And so if you're someone who is thinking about you know, how do I get better as we're going into to next year or ready to start and build the culture I've always dreamed of and be the leader I've always wanted to be. This is an amazing conversation. And so um, thanks for making time for it. Enjoy uh, Stephen and Mark Covey. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, so great to be with you, Dustin. Excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask, you know, the first question that we ask every guest is, who are you? And why do you love what you do? I, first of all, I love that question. Um, I am a, a husband to an amazing woman, uh, Jerry, my wife of 36 years. I am a, a father of five children. I love each of them dearly, a grandfather of, of six grandchildren. And I am also a, uh, um, an advocate and a champion for trust and for building high trust relationships, high trust teams, high trust cultures as a way of elevating all of society. And, and I think we need more trust in the world. And so what do I, why do I love what I do? I, I love it because um, I feel like we're oper operating increasingly in a world of declining trust, where the trust tends to be going down all around us. And in the danger of a low trust world is that it tends to perpetuate itself. We all become a little bit more careful, more cautious, more guarded in a world of declining trust because none of us want to get burned. But then people respond back to us a little bit more careful, cautious, and guarded. And we could find ourselves, perhaps unwittingly, beginning to create a vicious cycle of distrust and suspicion, creating more distrust and suspicion, and everybody feeling justified in the process. You see, distrust is contagious. Mm. But here's the good news. Trust also is contagious. And trust and confidence can create more trust and confidence, where people feel enlightened by it. They feel inspired by it. They feel they feel validated. They, they rise to the occasion. They want to prove, prove the trust justified and they perform better and they give it back to you. And so I believe we need to counteract the, the world of distrust by creating 
possibilities and outcomes of high trust and, and being a model of trust and a mentor of trust so that we can counteract the distress all around us. That inspires me. That makes me want to get up every day and, and be a catalyst to, to, to help create more trust in our world and to help other leaders create more trust in their worlds and, and to do it within education, to do it within business, to do it within government, healthcare, and really every industry and ultimately in all society. And I believe that we really can build and bring about a renaissance of trust. And so that's what I, why I love what I do because I feel like I'm part of being a catalyst with many others to help bring about a renaissance of trust. Mm. I, so I think when, when I hear that, um, I'm, I'm going to push back just because it, it's really inspiring. It feels like it oozes out of you. Um, has anyone ever said, you know, Stephen, that's, that's great, but I've got a list of other priorities that I have to work on with my organization or my school or my district. Right. Um, how do you respond when you hear that? Yeah. First of all, I have great empathy for it because uh, administrators, leaders within schools and within districts are overwhelmed. And there are so many initiatives, so many priorities, so many pressures, so many demands, so many stakeholders on educators and on leaders within education. So I feel great empathy and understanding for those demands and pressures. And, and uh, I try to position trust for what it really is, which is not so much another thing to do because you already have too many things to do. Right. Rather, this is how you do what you do. If you do things in a way that builds trust, that inspires trust naturally through your credibility, through your behavior, then the trust will go up as you do what you already are doing. And as the trust goes up, you'll get a multiplier effect on all your other efforts, all your other initiatives. You can do them better. You can do them faster. You can do them with less cost, with greater energy, more joy. And so high trust is a performance multiplier and it's an accelerator and it's an energizer for everything else that you've got to do already. And so I don't see trust as another thing to do. This is how we do what we do. And when we do it in a way that builds trust through our behavior, then we get this multiplier effect on everything else that we're trying to do. I mean, who wouldn't want to have all our other efforts be multiplied with a force multiplier of high trust? And, and this is the data um, from Tony Breich of Stanford, did a 400 school study. You know, these are K through 12 schools um, and, and um, over multi, multiple years, 400 school study that shows that high trust schools outperform low trust schools in every imaginable measure, not by a little amount, but by a huge amount. For instance, the ability to improve test scores and move the needle on learning goes up by about three and a half times in a high trust school versus a low trust school. The ability to engage your different stakeholders, whether that be parents or the community at large or teachers um, goes up dramatically in a high trust school than a low trust school. The ability to you know, make your budget stretch farther and go do more with less goes up in a high trust school more than a low trust school, not by a little amount, but by a huge amount. And so all the initiatives that we have 
of really engaging our stakeholders, engaging our parents, engaging the communities, inspiring our teachers, you know, helping our students learn and perform and do better goes up with trust to attract and retain great teachers to inspire them goes up with trust. And so everything we else we're trying to do, we can just do so much better when we start with trust. So this is a multiplier and an accelerator and an energizer to every other initiative. I call trust the one thing that changes everything. So I understand the pressures. I've seen them. I've, I've worked with so many leaders that are grappling with them. They are real and intense. And I'm offering a secret sauce that will help you do everything else that you're doing better. And also with more energy and joy, um, not only, you know, more efficiency, more energy, more joy, more creativity, more inspiration, more passion that flows well, from high trust. And we need that today. We're all burned out. <laughs> we need trust and the energy and the joy that it brings at a time when we feel so beat up and so burnt out with all that we've been through over these last, you know, 15 plus months. So I, I've had the privilege of spending almost every one of my professional years in education, working all the way up to districts where we got to work with some of the uh, highest struggling schools that we had in the state I was working in. And I, I have yet to meet an educator who would consider themselves not trustworthy and would evaluate the culture that they're building as untrustworthy. As a leader myself, if I was in a school or a district, or if I'm a leader of a school and I want to help one of my principals recognize what's happening, how, how do you help or how, what are some ways that we can uncover if I'm living out a high trust environment, I'm creating that? Um, yeah, how do we assess that is really the question I'm trying to get yeah. to. Yeah, it, it's a great question because we all kind of try to be trustworthy and most of us see us as trustworthy. And I think, I think for the most part, we are. We're not perfect. <laughs> most leaders genuinely strive to be trustworthy. And I think that's, that's great. And, and we should continue to strive to do that by focusing on our credibility and also on our behavior. And so I think our intent is good. And I think generally, for the most part, we do strive to be trustworthy. And, but if I'm going to kind of break it down into two pieces credibility and behavior. So if we focus on our credibility and that's our character and our competence. And, you know, and I think that oftentimes when we think of trustworthy, we think of character and that's the starting point, but we also need to add to it competence. And, and, and that includes our capabilities and our results that will help inspire more trust. And part of our capabilities include the ability to create trust, to establish trust intentionally, on purpose, as a leader. And, and so I find this, that we're, we do a pretty good job here. It's just that the world is changing so fast around us, we've got to keep changing with it and stay ahead of the curve. So the, the need to constantly be focusing our, on our capabilities, our talents, our expertise, our skills, our knowledge, is never been greater than it is today because there's just too much information, too much knowledge. None of us can be a know-it-all anymore. We need to become a learn-it-all. We need to be able to learn better and help our students learn better, help our 
teachers learn better and our, and our other leaders and we ourselves need to model it. So we just, we just trying our best to model through our credibility, to model through our behavior. And where the opportunity really is big is around the behavior side. And again, that's how we do what we do. So do we talk straight? And our intent is not to, to, to lie, that's the opposite, but too often we fall into counterfeits where we spin or twist or manipulate a posture. But the, the candid, open, authentic, real straight talk builds trust. Do we create transparency versus having, you know, the hidden agendas? Do we practice accountability, take responsibility versus a little bit of the finger pointing, the blame game? Do we listen first where we really understand people or do we just kind of listen with the intent to reply? And, and uh, do we keep commitments and do what we say we're going to do, or do we somewhat overpromise and then underdeliver? These are some of the behaviors that help us build trust. I think the opportunity tends to be really great around the behavior side, where, again, we have good intent, we want to be trustworthy, but oftentimes we can get trapped in counterfeit behavior that could get in the way of building trust. So the more open we can be, the more authentic we can be the more real around our behavior and behave in the ways that will build trust. Some of the things I've talked about, talking straight with demonstrating respect, listening first with uh, keeping commitments and, and, um, and such. And there's one behavior I wanna uh, spend a little bit of time on in a few minutes, and that will be extend trust. Uh, we'll come back to that. But these are the types of things that I think can really help us move the needle on, on trust and, and, uh, and, create, and create more trust through not only our credibility, which we might call trustworthiness, but also through our behavior. We have to behave our way into trust, just like you could behave your way out of trust. Absolutely. That, that, that resonates a lot with me. I think uh, as I'm trying to put my uh, head around you know, some of the schools that we've been able to, to serve and help improve, I think you know, some of the pushback would be, well, I'm trying to have straight talk, but if I, if I talk straight, I'll crush that teacher or that principal. It'll, it'll paralyze them. Right. Um, is the, is the pushback that we've gotten? How, how, how do you, what's your advice for helping us get over that hump? Yeah. Okay. Here's a two things. The first is, you know, in my work on the speed of trust, I give what I call 13 behaviors common to high trust leaders. And these behaviors, they work together. They're balanced by each other. So they help us kind of balance these out and, and not go too far with anyone. So for example, on your very point, talk straight is balanced by demonstrate respect. And you're right. If you're too much of a straight talker, you might find that backfiring where you go too far and rather than being helpful, it could be hurtful. You could be offensive. You could offend everyone. You might say, hey, in the name of talking straight, I'm going to just tell it like it is. And, and you say, you know, you're a lousy teacher or you're this or that. And, you know, that's not going to be helpful. That's going to be hurtful and harmful. And so any strength pushed to the extreme or too far could become a weakness. So you're trying to find the sweet spot. And they also, these behaviors work together. Don't just run with talk straight. Be a straight talker, but balance it with demonstrate respect. So you're balancing courage with consideration. You're trying to find this, this, you know, the sweet spot to be effective and to be and, and, and such. But here's another key thing. So, you know, so the first thing is 
use good judgment, find the sweet spot, balance this out, work, you know, see, see these behaviors as a, as a piano keyboard. You don't want to just play one note of straight talk. You want to balance it with all of them, demonstrate respect, listen first, and, and so forth. But here's a, here's a second key piece. Always start with intent. You know, what's your intent? And are you, are you trying to help or trying to hurt? And if your intent is one of, where your motive is one of caring and your, and, your, and your agenda is one of seeking mutual benefit, win, win, and I wanna help. And, and then if you will upfront, when you're having these conversations, if you declare your intent. Hmm. And so you not only share kind of what you're doing, but why, you say, hey, here's my agenda. Here's my intent here. I just want to help. And so I'm going to talk to you openly, honestly, because my intent is to help. I'm not trying to hurt. And so everything I'm doing here is all with the idea of being helpful in this process. And I want to work on me too. You're always saying, you know, just like the name of this podcast, Change Starts Here, trust starts here. It starts with me. So if I want to build trust with somebody else, I'm always looking at myself, how I can focus on me, including my intent. What's my motive? Do I care? What's my agenda? Am I trying to help or try to hurt? If you're trying to hurt, then don't talk straight. It's not going to be, that's not going to be useful. If you're trying to help, then maybe some straight talk balanced with respect could be useful to people. If you declare your intent up front to the person, they might see you differently as you talk about some of the things, the challenges, the opportunities in front of you as you're talking more openly. But if, if they are questioning your intent or if you don't declare your intent, they don't see you as an advocate of them, then they might not want to hear the straight talk and the straight talk could backfire. So this is judgment. You know, it's, a, it's not a one size fits all, but a great best practice for any leader, always declare your intent, give the why behind the what. And not only declare your intent, declare yourself. So you might say, as a leader, you say, you know, here's who I am. Just like your first question, who are you? And what, what do you love about what you do? Here's who I am as a leader. Here's how I like to work with people. And here's, um, you know, I, I declare myself. And the whole idea is I'm taking the mystery out of the relationship. I learned this from Doug Conant. It's the former CEO of the Campbell Soup Company. And he took him from among the worst in the world in engagement to world-class engagement during his, his stewardship, his tenure. And, and he said that he began every meeting he had where he would come in with, with anyone he was working with. And in their very first meeting, he would declare his intent and declare himself. And his whole goal was to take the mystery out of the, the relationship. So here's how, who I am and how to work, how I like to work with people. And so I'm saying, if you go in as a leader and say, here's who I am, here's how I like to work with people. And it's always around mutual benefit and, and um, building trust, getting great results, you know, serving students, inspiring students, engaging, empowering teachers, trusting teachers, helping you succeed. And, and, um, and if you declare your intent, declare yourself, people will view and interpret your behavior through a different lens. When you don't declare your intent, people ascribe intent to you anyways from their own perspective and in a, 
you know, in a, in a beat up world, they'll project fears or worst case scenarios. And at best, they'll be guessing. So our role is no guessing. Declare your intent. Declare yourself. Those are great best practices. And, and also assume positive intent. Mm. It's the other part of this. You know, assume, assume positive intent with everyone you're working with, especially during hard times. And well, that's an act of trusting people to assume positive intent. This will help you build trust better, faster with people. I love that. And I think one of the, first off, declaring intent is great. And I think through one of the challenges that I think every leader faces in any organization, no matter if your school's high functioning or not, is creating that culture where we assume the best intent, right? That's the thing. Like, how do we, how does a leader of a district or a leader of a school just, I mean, yes. So one-on-one, I can visualize this, but with the school, how do I, how do I create that ongoing culture where we're just assuming the best in each other, even when we let each other down, because that, that tax right there hurts and slows down so much productivity. It really does, Dustin. You're exactly right. And it's always harder to create a culture um, because that's, you know, culture is what most of the people do and think and say most of the time. And, you know, it's what the fly on the wall sees. It's not just the mission statement and the values. It's what actually happens, you know, and in the behaviors. And it's very easy to say, let's assume positive intent, but the culture could be one of where people might say that, but not do it and, 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 and such. And so building the kind of culture is really, the highest leverage thing you can do as a leader is to build a culture. And the best way to build a culture is, again, consistent with the mindset of this podcast, change starts here. High trust culture starts here. It starts with me. So I model it. And I model as declaring my intent and assuming positive intent. And I help others see the importance of this, but in their interactions with me, they see me modeling it. And maybe I help others do it too. So someone might start to kind of, let's say we're in a meeting and, and someone starts to, um, uh, you know, dogpile on another administrator that's not doing well, but we don't know all the facts. So maybe my modeling is to say, Hey, these are important points we're bringing up, but I'll bet there's other things that are happening here. We're not aware of. And, you know, and I'm demonstrating, I'm assuming positive intent. And so why don't we try to, before we go down this path, I'm going to, let's go to the person and let's try to understand. Cause I bet there's another side to this, another perspective. We don't fully understand. I, I assume I'm assuming positive intent. I'm, I'm, I'm using the words and I'm modeling the actions the, of what to do. I try to do it myself. I try to help others do it. And when someone starts to do this, I maybe will call them out in a nice way of saying, you know, let's not go down that path. Let's learn more. Let's assume positive intent. If we get enough of us doing this and enough could just be a critical mass. It doesn't have to be everyone, not even necessarily the majority, but enough leaders doing this, modeling this, then we can begin to ripple out from there. That's how you build a culture is you try to build that critical mass of leaders. And depending on your role, you can be the model of it. You know, if you're the principal of a school, start with your school. And, and how you model with your direct reports and with your teachers and how that gets rippled throughout. 
And then you try to model it with other fellow peer, peer principals. And then you try to model it up perhaps to the district. And maybe you don't feel that support coming down from the district, but you try to be the catalyst, the model of how they could operate this way. So change starts here. Trust starts here. A high trust culture starts with each of us. We, we are a model, then we become a mentor. And, and, uh, and that's how we do it. It's that simple and that hard. And it's very hard. So uh, as you were saying that, I think, uh, you know, I, I visualize a lot of our, our folks out there. Again, it's not to, I'm not assuming negative abilities or intent of their leaders, yeah. but I have to believe there's so many listeners that are thinking, yeah, I, I model it every day, but it's not improving what what advice do you have for them to keep that fire lit so they're not uh, discouraged if it's not if they're modeling for their superiors uh, and it's not changing soon enough for their eyes? Yeah, um, very real, and and um, and so I, I I recognize that that often will happen. Uh, two things: first is um, continue to move forward with this. Stay persistent. And even maybe challenge yourself of, of uh, I think I'm modeling, but maybe I could even get better at this. Because what we find all the time, Dustin, is we kind of do surveys and uh, like we'll do a team trust index for a district where we're measuring the level of trust within a team, within a district, and everyone participates. So all the district leaders are there and all the uh, principals are you know kind of measuring how well I live, I, you know, I, I model the behaviors. And here's what we always find. When everyone measures themselves, they rate themselves pretty high. And then when they rate, rate their fellow team members, there's usually a 20, 30, sometimes 40, 50 point gap in how they measure everybody else. And so it's kind of like, I'm okay, but you fellow principal, you've got problems, <laughs> or I'm okay, but you district leader, you've got problems. And the problem is the district leaders doing the same thing about their teachers, There's about their uh, principals they are saying, I'm modeling this behavior, but you principal, you've got problems because the gaps, when everyone measures themselves, we roll it up and you get scores in the eighties and nineties of living the values and of uh, modeling the behavior. And then we ask them to rate everybody else who just rated themselves in the eighties and nineties. And we get the scores in the forties and the fifties, the same people who rated themselves in the eighties and nineties. So maybe we think we're doing a little bit better than we really are, or we could all get better at this. So just stay persistent with the modeling and, and really say, okay, maybe I think I'm doing this, but could I continue to do this? And can I do it better? Second, start to measure your wins kind of one relationship at a time one person at a time. And maybe you might say, hey, I wish there was more change happening. And I wish my, the leader above me would change, but I'm having success. I just built a great relationship with this principal, or I just built a great relationship with this peer or with this person. And we built more trust here or on our team. And you just literally start to recognize and celebrate the small wins. Just like each child you're impacting in your schools, that alone, is a huge triumph. Same with each relationship where you're building more trust in that relationship or on each team, you're building more trust. That also is a huge triumph. And you start to celebrate and recognize each of those wins 
one relationship at a time, one person at a time versus trying to boil the ocean and change the entire culture. What if I could change it just on my team? See that as a huge win and triumph. And then maybe your team interacts with other teams and you become a model of excellence and of high trust, perhaps in a sea of distrust. And, 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 um, and that though can ripple out from there. So um, I, I would just ratchet it down well, one relationship like, at a time. I feel like a, a theme that, that's coming out through our conversation is, again, it starts with me. So at first it's a mirror, right? Then it's, let me find the few folks that I really work closely with and start just working on high trust there and then continue to broaden that out, right? But first and foremost, I've got to own that mirror every day and own that with the, the small team that I have. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, and that, it, again, it is simple, but just not easy. And, and we'd all like to have the quick fix. <laughs> and, and, um, but, the, but those fixes tend to be outside in. We try to change structure or systems or reorganize, move things around. The only way to bring about this kind of change is inside out. It's got to be by working on ourselves and then working on relationships. But I also will say this, that we can become more bold. See, the more credible we are, the more we work on ourselves, the more bold we can be with others, including with our boss. What would give you courage to kind of be bold with your boss? Your credibility. The more credible you are, the more courage you have, the more clout you have, the more permission you have to have a, a courageous conversation, a bold conversation with your boss. And here's what I've also learned. Um, as you're working with people, always make sure that we separate the person from their behavior. So don't attack people, instead address behavior. So if you're working with someone where there's not very much trust and you'd like them to change, rather than saying, hey, you know, what's wrong with you? I don't trust you. In fact, nobody on our team trusts you. That's not going to be very effective. Those are fighting words. A far more effective way to maybe help bring about the change is to separate the person from their behavior. And rather than saying, I don't trust you, say, hey, this kind of behavior. When you say you're going to do something and then don't do it, make a commitment, don't keep it. Or, or when you kind of spin what's been what you're communicating or when you go behind people's backs instead of going straight to the person, it causes me and others to lose trust. And then you make a behavior-specific request. So here's what I would ask, you, ask of you. Don't make a commitment unless you're going to keep it. I'd rather you not make the commitment than to make one and not intend to fully keep it. When you talk with me, just tell me the truth. Just talk straight to me. I give you permission, even if you think I don't want to hear it. Just talk straight to me. Be open with me. Be transparent. Um, if you've got a concern or issue, come straight to me. I invite you, make it easy and safe to do that. I'm just telling you, I want you to just come straight to me. You're making behavior specific requests of them. And what gives you the courage to do that? Your credibility. And, and, then, um, and then now, you know, let them behave their way back into trust. Just like you are doing, trying to do the same with them and always reciprocate. And what can I do to build more trust with you? And so you're, it's always a process of trying to behave our way into greater trust. We model it and we ask it of others too. So the boldness is that you might courageously say to someone where you'd like to see them do more, say, you, maybe you confront their behavior and you make a behavior 
specific request of them of what you would like to see to help build more trust with you, even with your boss. And the only way you would dare do that with your boss is if you have focused on your own credibility and, and um, you know, your character, your competence, such that you know that building that relationship with the boss is important. And this is what would help build that relationship to build more trust. So you make that behavior specific request. And, um, and that's how you'll move the needle. That's being bold and courageous and maybe break some of these logger jams that get in the way and slow down the building, the building of trust. So a second ago, you said something that hit me right in the heart. And I, I think one, because I've struggled with this two because I've seen this in lots of educators, well-intentioned, positive, passionate people who are serving lots of folks, whether it's a principal, lots of teachers, district with lots of staff throughout the district that they oversee. Um, you know, you could have those days where you've got 20 different meetings that you're going to and with the most well-intentioned, like well-intended meaning of saying, you know, Stephen, I'm gonna follow up on this for you. I've got it done. I go to the next meeting. I'll do that. I'll do this. And at the end, they don't do any of it, right? Because again, it's not meaning. What, what's your what's your advice for those folks who have, uh, again, they're they're not trying to, they're not even trying to like uh, smooth it or say I've got it all together. They just apparently don't have a system or created a system of honoring it. What's the advice you give those folks to break that cycle? Yeah, I would say to recognize the importance of getting a brand or reputation that you will always do what you say you're going to do. Hmm. And you'd be better off disappointing people up front um, and say, you know what? I'm not in a position to be able to do this right now. I can't take this on right now because I have too much. I wish I could. Well, we, we got to work on figuring out how we're going to get to it. Then to say, okay, we'll take that on. We'll handle it. And then not deliver on that. If you say you're going to do it and then don't do it or give a counterfeit version of it where you have over-promised and under-delivered, you'll lose people's trust and confidence. You'd be better off just saying, I'm not in a position to deliver on that right now. I'd like to get to that, but I'm not there yet. Then to say, I will do that and then not do it. You'd be far better off to disappoint them up front because then at least they might be disappointed with you, but they might not, they might say, well, at least they told me the truth. Right. I can trust what they say. If you say you're going to do it and then don't do it, they, they say, not only did they not deliver, I can't trust when he tells me in the future. It's like someone said to uh, uh, Nietzsche, the German philosopher, or, or Nietzsche said, someone betrayed his trust and, and didn't do what he said he was going to do. And he says, and he said, um, it's not so much that you lied to me, it's that I can no longer believe you. Hmm. Well, see, it's going forward. It's what it does. And, and if someone says they're going to do this and don't do it, then I can no longer fully believe them. And that's what's, what's painful. So again, I have great empathy, understanding for the overwhelming nature of the challenges that uh, district leaders and school leaders are in with what's going on right now, with all the pressures, all the demands from multiple stakeholders, sometimes competing interests and demands from the stakeholders, where one stakeholder wants one thing and another just the opposite. And as we've been through this pandemic, that's often the case of what the parents want, what the teachers want, you know, and, and um, we all want a common thing of, you know, to educate our students well, but there's so many demands, sometimes competing demands. And so we're doing the best we can to balance this, but we've got to, we've got to confront reality and, and, um, and, and not overpromise and under deliver. Um, uh, but I also would say this, then we all also try to 
increase our capacities and, and our systems and our structures and leverage ourselves more. Because if it's all on one administrator, one leader, none of us can do everything. So we've got to build that culture. It's back to this idea of if you build a high trust culture an empowered culture, then it's not just you, it's the whole culture. You have more capacity because there's more capabilities because while you might yourself might be overwhelmed, you can maybe tap into the capabilities and talents of others who have more to give, more to offer. And that, 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 uh, that we're not tapping into fully. And suddenly we leverage ourselves. We multiply ourselves. And, and um, that's what's needed. That's why building a high trust culture is the single highest leverage thing you can do as a leader within a district or within a school. Because the culture then will enable everything else to come out and it multiplies and magnifies and expands you, the leader. It is an extension of your leadership. It's a magnification of your leadership. It's a performance multiplier of your leadership. And you can do more this way, but it's gonna require you to trust. Not only to be trustworthy, to also be trusting. And, and um, so this is maybe, I, 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 you know, I wanna, I'll come back to this trusting idea. I wanna make sure we end with that. Okay. This is going to be my charge, I, but I want to, I want to, um, that's going to be my ending charge when, when you're ready to, to end. You tell me, but, but we'll, we'll continue the conversation. But this idea of being not just trustworthy, but trusting, this is going to be my number one takeaway. Well, I, we I, I don't want to end the conversation, but I could talk to you all day. I think uh, it feels like this point from the first time we started talking to now has just been ready to come out of your heart. So I, I want to hear it. So my question it? normally is what's your, what's your advice for right now of one step our leaders can take to create change in their lives? This is my advice. And I feel so passionate about this for all leaders in any walk of life. But let me say this to educators and to district leaders, whether you're a superintendent, superintendent, head of curriculum, head of whatever within the district, a resource a leader or, or a school leader as a principal, assistant principal, whatever your role, especially to, to leaders, that we not only need to be trustworthy, which I think we're all working on, the greatest opportunity to unleash capabilities, potential, talent, greatness, not just of our students, but of our entire district, our entire school, is for us as leaders to be trusting. Not just trustworthy, but trusting. And we can be far more trusting than we think. I wanna challenge all of us. We might think we're trusting. In fact, the data shows most people think they're trusting and there's usually a, a 300% gap between how much trust I think I'm giving and how others feel like I'm giving. We're not near as trusting as we, as others, as we, as we think we are. Others don't experience it that way. And it's very possible that someone is too trusting and they trust anyone and everyone regardless and they're getting burned left and right. That, there's that possibility. And I'm not, I'm, I call that a blind trust where you don't use good judgment or you don't have expectations or accountability occasionally that can happen. Um, so I'm not advocating for a blind trust. I'm advocating for a smart trust where you use good judgment and you assess the situation 
You assess the risk involved of extending trust to someone. You assess the credibility of the person. How ready are they for it? And then you use good judgment in extending trust to them. So that's, that's called smart trust versus indiscriminate blind trust of just one size fits all. Great. So have smart trust, not blind trust. What I want to challenge us on is we can be far more trusting than we think we can. And we can extend it more abundantly, more frequently to more people. If you do it in a smart way where you always have clear expectations and an agreed upon process for accountability, people will respond to be being trusted. They'll rise to the occasion. They will perform better. Your principals will, your teachers will. And, and, uh, and they will give it back to you. And you'll, 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 you know, you'll generate a reciprocity of trust. You'll unleash them. They're, they have more capabilities and more talents. Just this week, I was on a, a, um, a, a webinar that I did for a big, big uh, business with several thousand people all around the world operating. And the CEO said, the best thing about trusting other people is that you will see all kinds of new ways of doing things and accomplishing things that they come up with. Their ingenuity is limitless. And, and um, whereas where you prescribe and dictate methods when you trust people, you know, when you kind of say, hey, here's what to do and how to do it, as opposed to saying, here's what we're trying to do. You come up with how to do it as long as we follow these guidelines or within these, you know, within this moral or ethical constraints. They come up with all kinds of possibilities that you might not have ever thought of. They are creative, they're innovative, and they're more capable and they're more committed to it. And we have seen that time and time again. The greatest opportunity today is to be more trusting as leaders and, and to really challenge ourselves on this. And because of what that does and how it unleashes potential. I love what we're doing at Franklin Covey with the leader in me process, because think about it. It is being trusting of our students and of our teachers that there is a leader inside of every student. And our job is to help bring it out. And that is an extraordinary extension of trust in the student and extraordinary extension of trust in the teacher to help bring out the leader and the student. It's being trusting. And, and many times in districts, we have such pressure, so many demands that our, our leadership style could be described by those that we're leading as kind of command and control. Maybe it's an enlightened command and control and a trustworthy and a kind and a caring and a benevolent command and control, but they might feel that we're not truly trusting them. Be trusting and, and um, as well as trustworthy and you will unleash and ignite the capabilities, the talents, the ingenuity, the potential, not only of our students, but of our teachers, of our fellow administrators, of our peers, of our colleagues, of each other, and we'll build this kind of high trust culture. I like to put it this way. You could have two trustworthy people working together, both trustworthy, and yet no trust between them, even though they're both trustworthy, if neither person is willing to extend trust to the other. So we need to be trusting that's the biggest gap I find as I go back and work with clients time and again is not on the trustworthiness sides. It's on the trusting side. Mm. That's my charge. Let's all say, how can I lead out in extending more trust to others 
and to becoming known for being a trusting leader as maybe the highest demonstration and value of my leadership. That's great. So if, if I'm a leader listening right now, and I know that this is just resonating and I've got to figure this out, I want to dive into trust, where's the best place that uh, I can go to dive into more of the content of what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, I write heavily about this in my book, The Speed of Trust. And we've applied this speed of trust with all kinds of schools and districts to help build a high trust team and a high trust culture. I'm working with a district right now where, you know, they've gone through the pandemic like everyone and people are exhausted. They're, they're burnt out. Teachers are and administrators too. And uh, they feel sometimes beat up and they're trying to build that emotional resilience. And they're trying to build the trust that sometimes has been um, maybe lost a little bit in this process at various levels. Maybe they've lost trust with different stakeholders, maybe with parents, maybe in the community, uh, maybe with teachers, uh, maybe with fellow administrators, um, maybe within the district at large. And, and, um, and, and so um, I'm, you know, we're working, we're, we're, we're showing that what the speed of trust does is it gives people a methodology, a framework, so they can think about trust, a language so they can talk about trust and a process so they can build it intentionally through their behavior. So I don't mean to be advocating for my own work other than to say the strength of it is it shows people how you can build trust on purpose through your credibility, through your behavior from the inside out. Meaning we start with ourselves, we look in the mirror, change starts here, trust starts here, starts with me through my credibility, through my behavior, and I ripple out at every level. And so depending upon my role, I can model this and ripple out from every level around credibility, around behavior, and understanding those 13 behaviors is so helpful. But if you, if you don't go to the book and the like, then I would just say this, focus on starting by becoming not only trustworthy, but trusting, and really challenge yourself on this and say, how can I maybe find the appropriate ways to extend more trust to my leaders, extend more trust to my teachers and have them, you know, how would they describe, do they feel I'm a trusting leader? Or would they deep down say a little bit controlling, <laughs> a little bit command and control, a little bit, uh, you know, benevolent, but, but uh, maybe a little bit, uh, you know, containing instead of unleashing me. And, and uh, we, want, we want to unleash our people, our teams, our culture. We want to build this kind of culture. So that would be the best place to start. Look in the mirror, focus on your credibility, focus on your behavior, and focus on trusting. And as you do that, you'll inspire people. And I, I like to say that inspiring others is also a learnable skill, just like trusting is a learnable skill. And you inspire when you model, you inspire when you trust others, and you inspire when you connect with people through caring and belonging, and when you connect people to purpose, to meaning and contribution. And the great thing about education is the purpose, meaning, and contribution in education is greater than any industry out there, because we're focusing on our, 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 our youth, students, and the future. And, and helping them achieve their best version of themselves and become the kind of person and leader that they can become. 
how can you have a greater purpose, a more inspiring purpose than that? So, you know, we just want to unleash that. And we'll do that when our people and our teachers and our leaders feel like we are modeling, we are trusting, and we are connecting with them by showing that we care about them and showing that we, they belong and by connecting them to the purpose, the meaning, and contribution in their work. And when people feel inspired, they'll inspire others. And so that's the opportunity. So those are some of the things to get started. You know, it comes back to, to um, looking in the mirror, trusting ourselves, and leading out and extending trust to others. That's great. Well, this message, I mean, first off, thanks for making time for us. I know you're incredibly busy. Absolutely. Also, thanks for sharing your heart with us. As you know, uh, most educators are winding down their school year or they're already out. And there's at some point, either now or in the coming weeks, going to transition to building uh, their culture for next year. And so your message comes at the right time for so many of us. And I appreciate you just bringing your full self as you always do. Anybody who has not had the experience to be in your presence before, this is how you are always when you're sharing your heart. And so I hope people know that this is not about uh, the bright lights in front of you. This is just who you are and it's incredibly refreshing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it. You, you are welcome, Dustin. Thanks for um, giving me this opportunity. I, 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 I love, honor, admire, respect teachers. My daughter's a, a teacher and, and uh, teachers and also the leaders and the administrators of teachers with, you know, within districts, within schools, the, because of the work that you do. So that question of who are you and what do you love about what you do? Um, anyone in education, any leader in education is on third base <laughs> with that, with, because of uh, what you do. It is so meaningful. And I honor you as, as leaders as, as, as administrators and as, as really as leaders, because again, trusting turns an administrator into a leader. And you are leaders of students, leaders of teachers, leaders of leaders. And, and, uh, and so it is exciting what you do. So thank you for who you are and what you do to all the, to the leaders that, I'm having, that we're doing this podcast for. I, I honor you. I appreciate it so much. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon, okay? okay. Thank have you. Have a great day. Thank Best you. Time. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcast on Apple or Spotify, and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.